health centers provide essential health care to people who are uninsured or underinsured. Increasingly, these health centers are offering additional critical services like dental and mental health care, and the question of how we support and enhance these resources is becoming more pressing. In this podcast, Apps Ann Leffler speaks to Lathan Woodard, the Chief Executive Officer of the South Carolina Primary Health Care Association, about the health center movement, how centers can address the social determinants of health, and what the future might hold for these vital resources. Um, I am so excited to have a conversation with someone that I've admired for many years in the health center movement. Lathan Johnson Woodard is the Chief Executive Officer of the South Carolina Primary Health Care Association. She has been with the organization for more than 35 years. Ms. Woodard is a member of several state and national organizations. She most recently held the position of chair of the National Association of Community Health Centers and currently serves as the immediate past chair. With that, I would love to get started, Lathrin, with our first question. So, Lathrin, tell us what was the health center movement like when you started? Well, first, Anne, I want to Thank you for inviting me today. I'm very excited to talk about the Community Health Center movement. I started in 1987 when I started working uh, with the Primary Care Association, but really got to know health centers in terms of from an outside perspective when I was with the Public Health Department, um, which was in the 70s and 80s. Uh, I actually worked with health centers and contracted around maternal health, which was the area I worked in. I worked with two health centers. So I had sort of a feel for, this is what health centers do. They have these doctors because our health department was a uh, nurse-run clinics. So for our high-risk maternity patients, we contracted with two of our health centers who had OBs. So I thought I knew health centers from that perspective. And in December 1987, when I joined the Primary Care Association, is when I had the uh, rude awakening of, you really knew nothing about the health center movement. So I um, started, as I said, in 87 with the Primary Care Association, which, just to make sure people know, that is like the membership organization for health centers in each state. We have primary care associations. Um, So I started finding out more about the health centers, but being the person I am, I really wanted to understand the origin because I'm really into how things got started. How did this model got started? And the term community health center movement, the word movement really made me want to know more because when I hear that word, it evokes civil rights movement, which I'm a child of civil rights. So I thought, okay, you're using this word. Let me look back. So I actually pulled the original grant application which uh, was on microfilm, which some of our new generation. <laughs> I know what that microfilm is. is. <laughs> but that's how I had to find it. And so when I was reading about the health center of the in the first application, it was like touching my heart. It was touching and showing this is what I'm interested in. Because basically, to summarize it without taking up so much time, because I really do get excited with talking about health centers, it started... Because the same way, really, the Civil Rights Act, people who saw injustices say we need to do something about it. And it wasn't about color or anything, race, anything. It was about injustices, social injustices, and health inequities. And we had people who were very instrumental in saying this isn't right, not in this day and time. So uh, the health center movement, the model itself, came out of South Africa. So learning all of this, 
and seeing how this is now in the 80s. It's something that started back in the 50s, really, is when um, Dr. Carr and Dr. Geiger were working in South Africa with the Zulu population, and this is the model that was used. It was about people teaching people how to take care of themselves. And I have to stress this, and I probably have stressed it a couple of times. Health centers aren't about medical care. They're about health care, which is very important. Because when I started back in the 80s, I saw not just the physicians. I saw all these other services. And, and what comes to mind to me is Buford Jasper Health Center. They actually had an environmental health section, which they had a backhoe. What are you doing with this? You're a health center. And the, and the uh, providers would say, we're not taking care of what's really wrong and causing the problems they're having. And giving them a pill is not going to change that they have unclean water, poor sanitation. So the health center actually was going digging wells for people and actually sewer systems and stuff. That was a part of it. So that's why I say more than just medical. So yeah. when I saw that, I realized this is for me. It's about how one person or a few people can make a difference. And the fact that it is truly community focused, community controlled, community governed. That's great, Lathrin. I I can relate to that too. And um, I think many of us at APT Associates can. A lot of us joined APT because we have people who are deep experts in housing, deep experts in climate, deep experts in Social Security, Department of Labor, and we can draw from all of those experts to do to do the work that we came there to do in health. And, you know, for me, um, you know, I think health centers were doing social determinants of health before it was it was cool. And now we talk about vital conditions and these vital conditions are the types of things that health centers keep at the forefront because they look at the whole person and not just the whole person, they look at the whole family and how the family is within the community and all of the systems that come into play to serve them and in, in their health. And I, I think that's one thing about the movement that I love is that we have a lot of leaders who make a pilgrimage to South Africa to learn more about the model and to get more in touch with the roots. And I think that's, that's a beautiful thing. Over the years um, that you've been in the movement, what do you think have been the most important changes, good and bad? Okay. Before I do that, uh, you just brought something up. I do want to stress that when you go back and look at the Health Center original model and look at the application, it's one sentence in that application that says, health centers are about addressing the social and environmental factors that impact health which now we're calling social determinants are social drivers of health. Health centers were doing this a long time ago. So that is one thing I feel that, uh, and, and going into your next question, the changes I've seen, I think some of that is we are getting back to basics. You know, we may be calling different things, but we are realizing that it takes more than a provider laying hands-on for a person to have a, a better quality of life. It takes all these other pieces, uh, other pieces meaning not just in the healthcare arena in terms of nutrition and things like that, but also food security, 
also the environmental issues. Changes I've seen is getting back to basics and bringing in more of the services at that one-stop shop for our patients Um, and recognizing that there's evidence-based services that we know we need to be providing. Because when we started, it was almost uh, volunteering. How do we get piecing things together? Now it's more of a system and it's more of a, we're about serving more than just the underinsured and the uninsured. We're about serving the community and how do we make the community healthy? So each community needs different things because they have different resources. And that's what makes health centers unique in that they look and do a needs assessment of what's needed in this community. Uh, I do need to give this example because I came from maternal health. Uh, When I started working with uh, uh, the Primary Care Association, there was one center in South Carolina that wasn't doing providing um, OB services, weren't doing prenatal care. And I was like, why? This is one of the worst areas you need to be providing. They said, well, we didn't need to be providing it because we had Dr. OBs in the area who were seeing the patients. And I said, okay, those OBs retired, left, or died. And so it was no OBs in the area, which is why our health centers are required to do needs assessments to see what has changed in the area. And I think that's a big one in terms of um, has come down from on high of keep up with what's going on in your area. Uh, so positive is that comprehensive services that we're providing. Positive is that we have, people say bipartisan, I say nonpartisan support in Congress, that people realize healthcare should not be politicized, whatever the right word is, but that's not what healthcare is about. So how we've done that, but the other positive is how we've taught, and this is an analogy I use, We've taught community people how to fish instead of fishing for them, meaning we've taught them and we're teaching them how to take care of themselves in terms of better health practices, as opposed to just providing and saying out the door. Yeah. And I think the heart of the health center program is the fact that the majority of the board of directors needs to be the patients. And I think that's a really important differentiator or it's a difference in how those health centers operate and thinking about the needs assessment, the requirement that they do a needs assessment and how beautifully it's done by health centers, not just looking at what the data and the numbers say, but talking to people in the community who are living that every day, I think is a really, really great way that they do that. And thinking back to the roots of you know, in, in Mon Bayou in Mississippi and how they had a lot of patients who, especially children, who were malnourished. And so they set up a farm next door. In this day and age, maybe you're not going to have a health center establish a farm next door. But what you might have is a community or a network of places where patients can go get access to food or access to places that deliver food to them. So looking at the systems level is is a level of sophistication that it's been fun to see health centers move toward. When talking about the food, one other thing that um, is very innovative is some health centers, and in South Carolina, I know a couple of centers, 
have contacted farmers markets and the farmers market people have actually come and set up in health centers parking lots so people can have access to food. There is so much that health centers are doing. We would not have enough time to talk about that. So many things in terms of our goal is improving not just health outcomes, but improving the quality of life for our patients and their families. In terms of challenges, uh, when you mentioned the governing board, which I, I love that the, it is required that health centers board has to be majority patients receiving care. And there's a reason for that. And it's basically what you were alluding to is who best to know what I need than me uh, for me to tell you the challenges is with, I think everybody in, in healthcare now, you know, the cost, but also from a health center perspective of what I call, and, and this is Lathrin talking with my 30 plus years, really 40 years experience in healthcare, public health specifically. We have what I call counterfeiters who are trying to get in, call themselves health centers. You know, they got that name um, and imply that they're doing the same thing health centers are doing, but they are not. So I always say, um, look at what how our model is different, which is one reason I think we've started using instead of community health centers, which I love. That's who we are. We use the term now FQHCs which is federally qualified health centers, to try to distinguish us. But we do do that so that people don't get confused when they see other organizations saying community health centers. Yeah, there are a lot of things that health centers need to do to demonstrate that they deserve that trust from the public and from the government, which funds them. They are approaching their work with integrity and rigor that, that's required. And it also creates a lot of work for them. Yes. For health centers. But at least we have checks and balances that I don't think any other system has. In terms of the data reporting requirement, you know, you can go online and look up any health center's performance data, anything related to their clinical outcomes, their financing, how many people they have. You know, that's something that health centers are required to report on each year. In fact, I think the their latest report from 2022 is due this week. <laughs> so it's it's a lot of effort and it's a lot of work to demonstrate your the difference that you're making in the community. But I think um, th that's the kind of data that helps the community understand that, that these health centers deserve their confidence. And it's great that it's readily available on any health center in this in this country. And then it's also um, available at a national level. So you can kind of look at the program nationally. So go in and look at not just the numbers in terms of the dollars, but look at cost, look at outcome as well, clinical outcomes. Yeah. And I love that about health centers. And when you look at the demographic data of those health centers, it's it's not necessarily those who have the most privilege. It's it's those who have the least privilege. It's people who are disenfranchised from the healthcare system as it is today. And yet you still see these clinical outcomes that are very impressive. And I feel so proud that that we can say that. As, as well as we see um, it's required by law that our health centers are located in medically underserved areas as determined by the federal government. 
are seeing medically underserved populations. But yes, that's how we started. But I think it's very important to say we still we provide quality health care for everyone in the community. So even if you have insurance, even if you're above 200% of poverty, it doesn't matter. We're there for the community. And for those patients who having problems with little to none resources, we have what is called a sliding scale. You know, we, we will help you get the care because reality is sick people are communities who have a lot of people who have health issues. It impacts everybody. It hit everybody's pocketbooks. It hit whether businesses come into the area because if you're sick, you can't work. Uh, it impacts education. If you're sick, you, you can't learn. So that is something that we look at in terms of community care and leaving no one behind, regardless of whether you have insurance coverage or not. Yeah. We have a lot of folks who join the health center movement as it was beginning. We have a lot of folks like you who've been around for 30 plus years. And we're getting a new crop of leaders these days and from different sectors. And so I'm curious, for those who weren't in the movement from the beginning, um, what do you think is most critical for these newer leaders to understand as someone I consider to be an icon in the health center movement? What is that wisdom that you feel like, oh, they need to know this? Lathrens take on this, which isn't always popular, is first, is this really the right position? Is this the right career for you? It, it can't be a job. And you, as, as new leaders, I'll say, I say to them, understand the origin and the roots of what the health center, this model is about. Understand from whence you came, this, this model. Yes, we need it. We can't continue to operate as we've done in the past. So new leadership is bringing business acumen. They're bringing this, all this new understanding of the technology and stuff that has happened um, that we need to have in our centers because we want our patients to have the best. So I say to them, don't forget the heart of the movement. Don't forget this is a health center that has a history or an, an, a core, if you will, value of addressing social justice and health equity. That's how we started. And everything you do should be around that. Be champions for the model that exists in providing health care. Be champion in terms of looking at how do we get the best care for the patient population we serve? How do we listen to the community? Because this is more than just an economic engine, a business, okay? This is about the people and teaching people. So that's kind of where I start them with. Um, also, I love to say, understand the, the, the history. If you don't have a heart for people and concern for people, maybe this isn't the right job for you. Okay? Because we need people who are here and have the passion as those who did doing the health center movement start, doing civil rights, because it's about not the money, because we, you know, health centers are all nonprofits and you probably could be making more money somewhere else. But you, if you care about people and want to see a change, 
then this is the place for you. That's great. What do you think new leaders should be keeping in mind as the payment landscape evolves toward more value-based care and payment? I think some centers are going to do really great with value-based. We're far down the road. It's several centers in terms of we're doing it before. Now it's all over the uh, healthcare industry of looking at how I can improve the health outcomes, which then our reimbursements will go with it, except the negative I feel that can happen with value-based care, and I'm not the expert on it, is when we look at how we're reimbursing centers, we can't compare them with a private practice office because our improving patients' health care, our model is we're looking at total health. We're looking at transportation. We're looking at housing. We have to look at all that because we're not an island. We can't provide it all. We, we're partnering with others, but we have to consider those things. The outreach for patients. And you don't have reimbursement for me to, as a, and I was an administrator one time of a center, to send my outreach workers out to see, okay, what's happening to this patient? who had uncontrolled diabetes and blood pressure. They didn't come back. We don't get paid for sending someone out there to do that. But if we want to improve outcomes of this patient who's on our system, we need to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I it, I mean, the promise of value-based care and payment is that you get paid to take to keep someone healthy, like you were saying. And, you know, I think the, the, the communities that are served by health centers require more investment. I am concerned of the viability of some centers in terms of this new arena, but it's here. And as a primary care association, one of the things I'm tasked with is looking at those centers who may not be quite ready and how do I get them ready and working with them on that. So Lathrin, we know that a lot of um, staff from federal agencies listen to this podcast. And I'm curious if there, if there are specific things that you feel should be on their radars as we move forward in the health center movement. Well, I would say yes. And, but I would first have to say the Bureau of Primary Healthcare, HRSA, has been since I've been working with health centers, I've never seen such a good partnership uh, we've had some downs, okay? But right now it is, let's talk. They sit and talk with us. Um, specifically about the base grant, I feel they understand it's it's not equitable. Okay, it is a problem. We haven't had a base grant adjustment and cost of living is steady going up, okay? But we don't have a base grant adjustment. When we get additional dollars, it's so earmarked and they have nothing to do with that. HRSA doesn't. That's Congress who say, when you get the money, this is what it's for. They, meaning the Bureau, has changed a lot in terms of, of lately, of actually coming out and sending staff out to see what's going on in the centers and doing a listening session. The HRSA administrator actually did some listening sessions as well and said, tell us, that's the best thing you can do. Hear from the field, because you can make policies that sound great on paper, and then you try to implement them and you're like, this isn't, this isn't going to work. You know, one thing I appreciate about the leadership at um, the Bureau of Primary Health Care is that they've been involved in the health center movement for so long. And they've seen lots of health centers on the ground. And so where, when they make decisions about policies, 
um, it really does come from a place not only of um, technical knowledge about what happens on the ground, but also this commitment, um, decades-long commitment to the work. I remember, I think um, Tanya Bowers did my first new access point grant review training back in like 1999. And so, you know, to see her now as the deputy administrator, it just is a, it, it's a comfort for me to see that the leadership um, have such longevity at, in, in um, the Bureau of Primary Healthcare. I have to go back and say something because it's been on my, my mind with it. When you talk about challenge, I think everyone would get me listening to this if they're in the health center movement. And I did not mention workforce. I was going to ask you. Great. <laughs> I, I think I may have deliberately wanted to have amnesia when it comes to this. Um, we are really having problems with workforce uh, and not just the clinical ones, not just providers or clinicians, but I'm seeing all levels in terms of uh, even CFOs, chief finance officers, uh, billing staff. We get them, and even at primary care associations, um, I was really acting on one day and said, I'm tired of getting people, train them, and someone else is taking them because we we can't offer the salaries that some of these big other healthcare institutions, our payers can offer, and they're letting us train them and they're taking them, and that's hurting us, as well as COVID. COVID really had an impact. Um, that I think is still being measured in terms of how many of our workforce, how much of many of our staff, after being out, decided, I don't want to come back for whatever reason of, I didn't know I was under that much stress, <laughs> okay? So I'm not going back or I'm really interested in doing something else because I've been out and tried something else. So they're doing entrepreneur work. And then it is, I'm not going back because of my safety, um, what I'm seeing now, and I'm curious if, if if you're seeing this too, is just, you know, we had a lot of the, 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 the leadership of health centers, you know, get their health center through that really difficult time and experience their own burnout and experience their own challenges. And now that people are talking about the pandemic being over or behind us, it is different. You know, I'm seeing a lot of senior leadership in health centers say, okay, now I can retire or now I can leave because in the middle of it, they just didn't feel like that was an option. But so now I feel like there's the second wave of senior leadership in health centers also leaving. Have you been seeing that in South Carolina? I've been seeing seniors, um, the more season of us leaving, <laughs> retiring, uh, but for different reasons. I think, yes, there was some commitment of, we don't want to jump ship. But there is also the issue of we're seeing our colleagues we work with who are passing away. And it's just a reality check of my season should be going into my retirement, my next season. But we cannot do that without preparing. And that succession kind of planning and getting someone else ready. I have to talk about the grow your own piece. I find that if we train people who are from a rural area that's home, they will come back and stay. But we also need to look at the pipeline for primary care providers, mm -hmm. as opposed to people going to medical school and specializing because they need to get more money to pay off this high debt they have, okay, uh, mm -hmm. from medical school. 
uh, we need to promote National Health Service Corps. How many people know about National Health Service Corps? I have a um, granddaughter who's talking about going to medical school, and she was looking at financing and stuff. I'm like, have you heard about, and I'm working with this. So we, we can't assume people know we got to do more with how do we encourage people to go into medical school and be diverse, have a diversity in terms of in medical school. When you look at the Bureau of Health Workforce's data, and they have a lot of it, um, mm-hmm. they've got some pretty amazing dashboards. They do have a high retention rate. So if you can place someone somewhere, um, you know, they, they tend to stay. And, th- and that's the beauty of it, you know, that of exactly. because once you fall into the movement, you know, it is it's the type of community that, you know, if you're connected in, um, it, it, it's your people. If, and that comes with the selection. We can't fill a position just because we need a warm body. Is it a right fit? We need to do the recruiting, not just for skill set. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, Lathrin, I know we have to wrap up, but if people take away only one thing, what would you like that to be? One of my mantras that after reading the uh, history of the health centers that just came to me, it was a quote from Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and it was the test of our progress is not that we give to those who have much, is that how much do we give to those who have little? That's what the health centers are about. That's when we know as a country that we are progressing. Are we bringing up? in terms of quality of care, of health care, are we providing it to those who have little instead of just keep putting more on those who have? So bring that floor up is what the community health centers are doing for health care. I can go on and on, but I think just to stress that we as community health centers, we are about more than just the medical care. And remember, we were established based on social justice and health inequities. And it's sad to say that's over 50 years ago we were established for that. And what are we dealing with right now? The same thing. So we know what works. Why aren't we doing it? If it's policy, we just need to have that think tank of saying, come on guys, let's, we can handle this. We can, we can figure this out and don't be afraid health centers to speak up when you see in social injustice, because violence is a public health issue. Right. So thank you. I enjoyed it. And I hope that your listeners have gotten enough that they want to dig deeper to find out more about the history of health centers and find that this is their calling. This is what they're really interested in. I could listen to you talk all day long and you know, I feel like whenever you speak to health centers and health center leaders, we, we're we all on the edge of our seats because you're so inspiring. And I also know that a lot of folks in the health center movement look up to you as a mentor and you do take that one-on-one time to mentor folks. And, you know, we're all really grateful for your wisdom and, and your commitment to this work that we all are very passionate about. So thank you for taking time with us today. And thank you so much for just being in this world and and being so great. Thank you for having me. And I appreciate you doing this to get the word out, get the message out. Thank you. And thank you for listening to this app podcast. 